In this episode, I had a conversation with Leanne Stewart about, well, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and some things in between. Leanne Stewart is a CRSP with over 24 years of safety experience. She is the co-founder of Simply Safe, an OHS consulting firm based in Vernon, BC. In this role, Leanne brings her passion and dedication to clients in a way that is relatable, obtainable, and results-driven. Leanne is very proud to be the Vice Chair for Women in Occupational Health and Safety Society, a society dedicated to supporting, educating, and helping to facilitate the advancement of women in the health and safety field. She is also a board member of the Tire Industry Association. You've got a lot to like about this one. Hope you enjoy. This is your host, Amy Arsnow, and welcome to the Transmit Safety Podcast, a podcast that will help you achieve a holistic approach to workplace health and safety with practical solutions introducing new or alternative ways of approach to put that value of safety into action. So fill up that workplace approved beverage of your choice and tune in to today's episode. So we are officially kicking off the recording for the session with Leanne, who we, prior to hitting start in full transparency of this podcast, we were trying to figure out how we initially connected, (laughs) which is always one of those things when we are in networking and very similar professional organizations. And if you have been in CSSE, if you've been in the Women of Occupational Health and Safety, if you've been in and around Western Canada, we probably have crossed paths in multiple conferences and didn't even know it. So we were just having a little bit of a laugh prior to hitting recording about how we initially connected. So Leanne, thank you so much for jumping onto the podcast and having a little bit of that reminisce. How do we we know each other? (laughs) It took both of us to figure out the answer. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, not a problem. And Leanne is a CRSP with over 24 years of a safety experience. Most recently just jumped and took the flying leap into the consultancy world. So congratulations in taking that leap, creating your business Simply Safe which is uh, based out of Vernon, BC. So congratulations on that. That's a- Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm. Uh, my teeth are chattering as I hear you say it. So <laughs> It's still new, but it's exciting. And I think that you are going to pull a lot of your corporate experience into that consultancy conversation. So we're going to talk about your consultancy business a little bit later on in the episode. I want to ask some some questions related to, you know, what initially prompted you to want to climb that ladder when it comes to being, you know, at that senior management level at that desk, and maybe talk a little bit about how you first got into safety, that transition from from initial safety person all the way up to where you finished off in that corporate world? Yeah, sure. Okay, it's been a journey when I, you know, and I don't, that's a bit of a buzzword. So excuse me for that one, if I say it too much. When I first started, boy, that would have been back in 1995. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And my reason for getting into safety wasn't glamorous. Like it was, I was working at a golf course in the summer and a ski hill in the winter. And I really just wanted to get a more solid career. And lo and behold, I was on ski patrol up at Panorama and a safety officer came up and said, you know, someone's got to tour me around and show me all your policies and procedures. And and I thought, who is this guy and what is he doing? And we got to talking. I job shadowed him on a construction site and went out on a forestry logging site where they do the choking and something the very fe- dangerous. Bu- yeah. The buncher you know, feller. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep, all that. He was, you know, flown out because I, I believe there was a fatality that day. I mean, Wow. It was just one of those things where I thought, holy smokes, this is this is uber dynamic. And that's when I started my research on health and safety and to see what kind of career it was. And from that point on, I went to BCIT, 
went to Whistler Blackcomb as their first health and safety professional, which was entertaining and fun and on my skis a lot. But when it came to the career side of things, I found that a bit challenging from a safety professional, you know, just getting the buy-in. And then City of Vancouver, which was awesome experience. And I met my mentor there, John Beckett. I don't know for those safety professionals that know him is just remarkable. And then wanted to settle down and raise a family. And so found myself looking at some smaller towns. And I wasn't sure if health and safety was even possible in smaller towns because usually it's large organizations. And so you're in the larger centers. But lo and behold, you know, Cal Tires uh, was a Western dominant company then, and they're named after Kalamalka Lake, Cal Tire. And so I was there for a safety professional. And, you know, my desire to, to sort of grow into sort of the executive level, I don't know if it was purposeful at first. I think I grew as a safety professional as Cal Tire grew. And they started growing out east. Then they went international down to Chile and Africa. And my career just kind of evolved as they evolved. But saying that, I think there was also a part of me that understood it right at the beginning there, that if you want to have an impact, you actually have to be able to influence the influencers. Mm. And so the desire to sit at the table where the decisions were being made was a no-brainer in my mind. I mean, because how how else are you going to infiltrate the organization to embrace the dynamic nature of what we're trying to accomplish without being where the decisions are being made? So I think my naivetivity a little bit helped me in just, I wouldn't say I pushed my way there. It was just, I will be there. You got into that dozer. You put the blade down. Yes. And I would say, look at, I dug my toe a lot of times, you know, pushing my way into a couple meetings where I think there's a fine line between being aggressive and being respected. And if you cross that line of being too assertive in your desire for impact, you can come across as just too pushy. And so to get the respect, so you better make sure that what you're, you know, when you're going in and when you are going to, that it is the real important stuff. So yeah. And deciding what mm. approach at what time is going to be the best tactic. Like, do I want to be that bull in the China shop today? Mm. Or do I want to be a little bit more strategic Now, for our listeners who may not yet be invited to that table where those business meeting decisions are being made, what are maybe some methods that you've learned or gained along the way that could still help them be involved in the conversation? Right. That's a great, great question. And one that I wish someone would have given me a couple pointers that I could have written down throughout my career. (laughs) Because I certainly didn't have a, a red carpet rolled out to the table. And it took years. I'm sure they don't want to hear that, but it took years to build the trust and build those relationships so that you are invited. So as aggressive as I was kind of making it sound, I think I was more relentless, but I think it was, I stepped out of my comfort zone and really listened to the individuals. And so I think it's understanding what their challenges are and trying to find some solutions. And I would say that in the very beginning, not everything was in a nice, neat safety package for me. You know, it might've been a little bit out of scope. And so I was helping people find a solution to a problem that may not have really been within the scope of health and safety. And I'll give you an example. One of our senior leaders was looking to start a new, what was like a recognition program, but it was really just an award of excellence. And you know, it, it was for profitability, production, and some safety. Well, having that seemed like a lot on the safety professional. So I had to learn about the profitability, how we measure it, and production. What does that look like in a tire company at our, you know, manufacturing retread facilities? 
And I just had to roll up my sleeves and do it instead of say, no, you know what? Not really in my scope. I'll do the safety part. Mm-hmm. So got to be careful of scope creep though, right? We <laughs> Very much so. Before we started too, because you know, I might've created a bit of a beast because then I was a bit of a go-to. Yeah. And to balance that line to say, you know what, this is within my level of expertise or, you know, let me circle back to this once I've developed a little bit more competency in this, reach out to your network. And I've been in that exact same position a few times within my career where I had to, you know, earn the invitation to the table and through consistent transparency, consistent trust building, being that relatable, reliable source of information, coaching, whatever that individual needed. But I think you also identified being able to pivot and adapt to whom you're talking to, to figure out what their need is. And how do I, within my health and safety management suite of offerings, How can I, you know, maybe help them be able to fill or complete their goals, their issues that they're working on? You mentioned, you know, having that business acumen. And when when I was having a look at your kind of your information, you mentioned that organizations should be integrating health and safety strategies into their business approach. 100% agree, hands up in the air, love that concept. And What I wanted to talk about is what are some lessons that you've learned along the way in having that, you know, integration of health and safety strategies into the business approach? What what have you kind of learned along the way that maybe our listeners can go, ooh, I like that. I'm going to maybe tackle that. Yeah, boy, I wish I had a three-step program for that. You know, wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Like, and I think I'd be fooling myself to sort of even try and come up with three steps, but I'll... You know, it's kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's just about keeping your ear to the ground in the organization and seeing what the climate's like. What are they, what's their big, their big objective, you know, and really understanding that. And trust me, I I found that most of the leaders that I've worked with really like talking about their strategies. They like talking about where they're going and their objectives. So, you know, if you get an opportunity, just say, what are your objectives? You know, where are you guys heading in the next year? And then I would just plant little seeds. Well, wouldn't that work nicely in, you know, as far as health and safety? So I'll try and give an example. But, you know, for sure, an easy one for me is we're really upping our skill set of our leaders. Well, boom, don't you leave safety out of that conversation. You know, or else you're going to be ending up spending a lot of time and wasting a lot of effort because you're going to actually have to do that again for health and safety. So why don't we just do safety leadership? You can call it leadership, but make sure that there's a safety message in there to all of your leaders. And once they start seeing you're here to make it efficient and building it into the business that they already have, I've often gone and been so bold to say that I don't even know if you should have a separate safety objective. You know, if you're going to up the skill set of your people, up it with safety. If you're going to upset or upskill your efficiency, we'll do it in a safe way, you know, mm-hmm. if, or so I think it's just making it okay for them to not have safety separate where we can do ourselves a disservice, making it a separate entity. I And I've said this in my discussions about strategic development is safety is a mechanism for a company to reach their business strategic goals. Safety is a tool to help you get there. You want to increase profitability? Let's talk about training. Let's talk about preventative maintenance. Let's talk about corrective actions. Let's talk about risk assessment. You want to reduce employee turnover? Let's talk about (laughs) employee satisfaction. Let's talk about you know, competency evaluation, like uh, you, you name it, I have some sort of tool within my health and safety management system to help you, you want to increase your market share within your clients, let's promote the how well we're doing within health and safety in the bidding process. And so it's very Mm. much understanding that. So step one, specifically know what your company's strategic plans and goals are. Step two, figure out how your health and safety management system can impact those goals so we're at step two already what's the third step but let's just talk about that second step it's not that hard because you just rattled off about 10 of those 
And I find that objectives always sort of have a theme, right? They, they really don't, they might differ slightly from year to year, but just my experience going over it, which is why that's how you get seasoned is you just see it year after year after year after year. And it's not like I just got this skill set. It was years of hearing them say kind of the same thing. And so the dialogue becomes easier and easier as a safety professional. So yeah, so that's step two, right? Well, now step three, let's just think about this because I think we're onto something <laughs> something great because what they can do is then turn a blind eye and start going after their objectives, right? Now it's the implementation and the execution. And the one thing that I talk to a lot of health and safety practitioners in my consulting world and as I'm doing contract training is health and safety practitioners should never forget that businesses are in business to be in business. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we well are there to help the business. Yes, we want to create healthy and safe workplaces. Yes, we want to prevent people from getting injured and harmed at the workplace. That is part of businesses being in business. So how important is it for the health and safety practitioner to understand the business that they are in? I really started following you, Amy, because I think you articulate this really well. Just as a safety professional, if there's something you can do better understanding the business. And I mean your specific business that you're in, right? It could be how many widgets do they produce every day? Just even being able to have that discussion, you know, how, how is it on the production line builds trust? You know, are you meeting your quotas? You know, how difficult is it? How much pressure are you under this time of year versus, you know, in September? And they just look at you like, first of all, you've just shown some interest in what I'm doing. And it means you care about me. So then if my next ask is, you know, can we actually start implementing a lockout tagout? They go, sure. I mean, you understand our business and, and you see the gap or that's just an example. But yeah, understanding the business, I don't know if you have to be an expert, but you certainly have to be interested in it. And I, yeah. I found that being interested in the business will increase your likelihood of getting invited to those business meetings. Even if you have nothing of value to say, you're there to listen and learn and they will eventually know that if you do speak up, it is because you understand the impact of your health and safety decision, how that decision is going to impact the business rather than just how it's going to impact the health and safety. How that walkout tago procedure is going to impact the production and therefore meeting or not meeting the quota is a very important operational decision that we as health and safety practitioners should also understand. And I think that you and I have had those conversations, you know, as well. Yeah, well, it's so key to the success of being able to implement all the strategies that you're trying to within the business that you see that others might not. And I'm just wondering if some of the listeners, if they're, you know, a more green, sort of new to the safety world, I don't know why I said green, but new to the safety world, that they're going, but how do I get to that table, right? Because I think they understand if I could just be, you know, a fly on the wall and listen to discussion, then it might help me in my future discussions. And I would say, you know, don't wait to be invited to the table. Even being out on the shop floor, talking to the team members that are actually producing it or doing providing the service, you'd be amazed at how much you're gathering there. Even if you're doing audits or inspections, listening to safety committee meetings. Just know that you're actually upping your business skill set because they're going to throw gems throughout all of those interactions. And then when needed, when you're actually talking about implementing, let's just use the example of lockout tagout, you're speaking it to them in their terms and you might not even know you're doing it. And then when they go to make the decisions, they go, geez, we really need Amy in here. And that's how, and you know, you only need a couple of those. And then they're like, yeah, it was really nice having her perspective in this in this meeting. And you don't have to talk, you know, that's going to be a game time decision on whether you talk to me <laughs> or not. And I used to feel compelled to say something so they knew that I was listening and that I, you know, knew what I was talking about. But that didn't always bode well for me. You know, sometimes just being a fly on the wall in those for a first couple times is okay. And no one ever told me that. But I think I said some silly things once in a while, which just to be able to, oh, I, I need to say something in this meeting yeah. so that, yeah, they know that I'm here. I've also sometimes struggled with that. It's like, okay, well, I'm here, so therefore I must say something. 
But I've also learned that, okay, well, who do I want to talk to after the meeting? Or who do who should I talk to before the meeting? Because I'm going to check my ego at the door. It's not about me, but like, I want my senior ops guy to bring up the seeds that I've been planting <laughs> and watering along the way. I like, I don't care who takes the ownership of the idea as long as the idea is being harvested <laughs> along the uh, way. That works for me as well. So whether or not it's just like a wink across the table, like yeah, now's your time to mention that thing that we've been talking about. <laughs> Here's your go. Look, I clapped and I'm not sure if you're allowed to clap on a podcast. I'm sure that disrupts the listener. You listen. can do whatever you want okay. to do. <laughs> but that is so key. And I, don't mean this as a gender necessarily, but I think women do a really good job of checking their egos. And, you know, and I think not to say that men can't, but I just think it's a feminine trait to not necessarily go in there and be the loudest and share their idea by giving your thoughts ahead of time to someone else so that they can share it at the meeting. You got a friend for life. Like I find like what you're saying is so important and find that a, a lot of the leaders that I worked with weren't necessarily coming up to me saying, Hey, Leanne, what do you think? Can you help me? You know, what would be a good thing for me to say at this meeting? But if I help guide them on, you know, here's what's really important and what might impact safety in this discussion. Often I hear them say it in the meeting and that's just a big high five. And, you know, I don't need to say it, but almost hearing someone else say it is, <laughs> is remarkable and take that as a feather in your cap. Absolutely. And it's it's also confirmation that they're listening and that mm -hmm. they are valuing your input regardless of whether or not you're in or out of the meeting, in or off of the shop floor. But you know, getting back to your conversation about the shop floor, I think it's so valuable to do ride-alongs, to do job shadowing at every level of the organization. When your goal is to sit at that, you know, that senior management level that C-suite or the highest level uh, within your organization, for the majority of the companies, let's be honest, people are, you know, pulled up from the ranks. So that supervisor becomes that superintendent, that superintendent becomes that project manager, a project manager is then pulled up kind of the, the org chart levels as well. And so to be able to have an understanding of the challenges when it comes to health and safety at each level of the organization also just, I think, allows you to have a better understanding of the mud that is occurring within the organization. So what are some of the challenges that you faced as you have tried to implement something within your health and safety management system and the lessons learned that you can share with our, our listeners as, as maybe newer health and safety practitioners getting stuck in the mud. Like, how do you, what do you do when you're stuck in the mud mm. and you're, you're hitting the, the resistance because definitely you've been there and you've either gotten out or somebody has had to come and <laughs> dig you out. But what would be some practical advice that you could give our listeners? Yeah, well... I don't think you can get through health and safety without being in the mud and being in some challenging situations. I think that shows that you're you're in the right place where you should be. And boy, that's a really good question. I think, you know, for me, you said something earlier about, you know, being on the shop floor and almost like walking a mile in their shoes. And I found that where I get challenged is when I started quoting regulations or thou shalt because of, I just was met with a ton of resistance and it's not, I don't know what it is. I used to think that it was just the various companies I worked for just had an aversion to anything legal easy. And if it's not going to impact the individual team member or that team or the production, if it's not sold in that way, I really found it challenging. So rather than banging your head against the wall with that approach, which may work with some. So I think this is this is the skill set is know your audience, figure out what it is that you're going to use as far as your sales tactic. You can use compliance, pull on the heartstrings with it's the right thing to do for this team to here's how you're going to be more efficient and more productive. So one of them is going to resonate with a certain personality type. So understanding who you're working with 
and what resonates with them, which you can hear it in their dialogue. Tune into that, put that sales hat on and go for it. So one of the, well, how many challenges? I don't even know which one to pick. But, but I think you nailed it in that conversation is that like health and safety practitioners, if you aren't landing in the mud, are you doing your job? Yeah. Because in order to create change, you have to create dissatisfaction with yeah. the current, with the current way that things are happening. So being in the mud sometimes is a good sign, like conflict mm-hmm. when managed correctly, conflict is a great mechanism for improvement. You have to have those conflict resolution strategies <laughs> and, and skill set <laughs> yeah. ready to go kind of behind you. But realizing that I love what you just said there that, you know, we are in the mud because we're wanting to create change. Yeah. You can't create change without being in the mud and getting, you know, getting sticky, being in those sticky situations. And I wish and someone would have came and told me because younger Leanne, when I was first starting out, my need to people please and not get in those sticky situations and not have those uncomfortable discussions, you know, I would avoid them. And if you're going to be a good safety professional, you can't avoid those. And it, mm-hmm. it took me some real tough lessons to learn. Well, Leanne, you're in the situation that you're in now, because if you would have told them three months ago what the real problem was, but you would have faced some probably unpleasant dialogue. And for example, I'll never forget, I was out on a service call with a team member and I almost fell out of the truck because the door locked didn't work anymore and it was bungee cord closed. And get her done. Get her done. Yeah, we arrived on the site and couldn't find his tooling. So you can imagine the state of this service truck. Now I'm talking about this is, this is, back early days. So, you know, you, you wouldn't see that anymore, but back in the early days. And when I walked into the store and it was one of the senior leaders that ran that store, me telling them the condition of that truck, I knew would have been met with some resistance. You know, it was a, it was a leader that didn't like to be told that what they were doing was, was wrong, but they had areas of improvement, but it did come out about, you know, Six months later in a meeting where I shared the story and he looked at me like, you're going to tell that now in front of my peers? And I Rather went, than have the one-on-one conversation one-on-one with conversation, me. Which would have been a lot more, you know, it would have been uncomfortable, but this was almost calling him out in front of his peers for me to make a point of being out there in the state and the condition. Needless to say, that went sideways fast and it was lesson learned for me. So I think don't avoid those uncomfortable conversations. And some safety professionals that, and I think the, the ones that I see coming up are much better at it than I was. They don't avoid that conflict. So whether it's just through the training that they know that these are the discussions you're going to have to have, it's unavoidable. I'm better at it now. And boy, is it a lot easier. <laughs> Short-term pain, long-term gain. That's right. kind of what I have to remind myself. And I sometimes have to hype myself up. I have to go and get a coffee. I might have to do a little bit of, you know, karaoke in my car as I'm driving to the job site. Like we know from a stress management standpoint, yeah, how do I handle myself to make sure that I'm in the right emotional space to have that conversation, have that difficult conversation? How might they respond to me, you know, bringing up some areas of improvement at their work sites? I was actually talking to the president and this is after years of learning. And I had a difficult conversation to have with him. And at the end of my conversation, and he said, I want you to know how much I respect you bringing this to my attention. And from that point on, I realized that you're going to gain the respect you need to be at that table when they know they're going to hear the right things. And there's going to be individuals that can't handle it and others that can. And it's not a personal thing. It's just your duty. You're in the mud and you need to say it. If you want to gain that respect as a good business partner and executive level, you need to be able to to have those discussions. So I just, yeah, it really does work well. And I think throughout this, you know, throughout this discussion, we've mentioned some, you know, some tips on different ways to connect and inspire people. But if I were to say, 
Leanne, what are kind of your go-to nuggets of ways to connect and inspire people? What could you share with the listeners? Mm. You know, I think it comes down to those basic principles that we all hear over and over again, and it's communication. And one is listening, listening, and, and the third one is listening. You know, I feel <laughs> like when people feel heard, your effectiveness goes up, you know, if you can just be there for them. And that's really, you know, what I feel that I'm trying to do as a safety professional is that I'm here to guide them and support them. And I can't do that if I don't know what they're struggling with. And I want to hear it all. You know, I want to hear about, you know, the struggles that they're having at home. And then it usually leads to what struggles they're having at work. And there's that level of trust. And I think if you want to build what I think is the most foundational piece to being a good safety professional, it's being able to build trust. And then you can build those good relationships. And then you're going to get the information you need to succeed in helping the organization build their capacity for safety, whatever that looks like for them. So I would say, yeah, listen, listen, and listen. (laughs) So step one figure out what your company's strategic plans are, strategic goals are. Step two is figure out how your health and safety management system can align with that strategic development. And step three, listen, listen, listen throughout the entire process. I don't know. Does that work for you? That that kind of circle? I I love it. I love it. There's a (laughs) high five, Amy. We just nailed it. Yeah. Brilliant. Because yeah, you're listening throughout each level. You're listening to each level of implementation. You're listening to each level within the organization. You're listening to yourself mm-hmm. as you are going through that process. Absolutely. And you started to listen to yourself mm. recently. And your yourself was saying you wanted to transition away from being a longtime long-time employee with a company like you build your career from over years with this one company and then you decided to jump out on your own as a consultant and what were some of the factors that impacted maybe why you stayed so long within within that organization yeah that's a that's a very good question look i think it's 19 years 19 years and i think it was you know one part of me really just wanted to take a large organization and have that impact in what I would say, you know, a dirty industry, like black rubber tires isn't a nice clean industry, but showing how you can do it with the well-being of your people being the first and foremost aspect of your business, right? Which if you can do it in that kind of environment with satellite operations all around the world, I think that you can you can do it anywhere. And I have this passion that I know that there isn't an organization out there that can't lead with making sure that the well-being and the care around their people takes a forefront, which is how you become being a profitable, successful business. And so I think it's my stubbornness of just, you know, we're going we're gonna to make this work. And it is so exciting. It's such an exciting career. And I loved, you know, my 19 years. And as you acquire new businesses, you start from scratch. And as you have new leaders, you start from scratch. And so there was never this, I never got bored to say the least, but it was always changing and the organization was always changing. And then at some point you sort of, for me, anyhow, it was the pace. You know, I know listening to your sessions on setting boundaries, I wasn't very good at that. So I think there was some burnout that can creep in as a health and safety professional, taking on the weight of the, you know, the well-being of the people is a ginormous honor and a huge burden at times. So the thought and, you know, of sort of just looking after myself, taking it down a notch and also, you know, listening to myself and giving myself the time to sort of enjoy my family. And I had just sort of been single focused on, you know, that was my life. I was the safety girl at Cal Tire. It was, you know, I'm just now trying to reinvent myself and figure out who I am if I'm not that. And I also think for Cal Tire, I think there's a point when an organization needs a different voice too. So I, 
it's um, it's important to know when to fold them. <laughs> you know, to steal a Kenny Rogers line, is that what it is? But, you know, I don't think I, I don't see it as there is no ending in safety, right? I think it's the toughest department. It's the toughest profession. Hard to define, hard to measure. I'd like to say, hey, we succeeded, nailed it, mic drop and walk out. But that continuous improvement oh. cycle says, nay, nay, oh. <laughs> you're, you're, we're always in this continuous improvement. There's always <laughs> something coming down the way oh. for us to, to move on. And that also connects with, you know, even the research that's happening within our profession. There is a constant evolution of health and safety research. And so, you know, you think that you have a good program and the new research comes out and you're like, oh, yeah, like, let's, let's dive into this or let's have a conversation about this or how are we going to implement this new current thought process? So, you know, there's nothing wrong with staying with within a company for your entire career. I know so many health and safety practitioners who say, yeah, I like the vibe of this organization. And I feel like I'm making an impact within my role. I know other health and safety practitioners who like to do in and outs. I'm going to work for this company for this six-month project. And then I'm going to go and work for this company for this type of project. So there's never like a one, one coverall that fits all yeah. when it comes to being a health and safety practitioner. You most recently then started your consulting business. So what prompted you to then say, you know what, I, I think I'm ready for a change because you could have, you could have transitioned to a different company. You could have transitioned into a different department within, you know, within that company or, or another company with your business acumen, your understanding of, of uh, operations. So what prompted you to say, yeah, consultancy is the right fit for me within where I am professionally and within my life, my life cycle? Well, I can tell you it was a, it was a difficult decision. And I thought that I would probably just move on to another organization, but I think it was through the process of going, okay, because there was still lots of opportunity. Like you said, there is, it's never ending. So you're always recreating yourself. The safety profession just makes it new for you too. The consultancy piece that I that I liked is I feel like I better understand where my niche is, right? Where I could see it as I was the health and safety professional at Cal, just sort of going, you know what? I'm much better at coaching, whether it's a safety professional or frontline leader to a team member to an executive. It's just I find that that's where I'm in my flow. You had mm. Sarah Williams on and she had a word for it, or maybe it was your word. And I think it, what was that word about being in the zone? Absolutely giving the shout out to Sarah, who is the, uh, she talked about the zone of genius. Zone and of I think genius. she mentioned a book that she learned, that she got oh, that on. Yeah. yeah, it was like, when you're in your zone of genius, you pick your head up and like hours have gone by, like you're happy, you're skipping on your way to work because you're just so excited to do those things. <laughs> you're not dragging your heels in to do whatever task is yet. For those of you who haven't checked out our first interview episode, I believe that was episode number two, where we had Sarah Williams and we talked about, uh, yeah, just putting your values into action. How do you do that within within your organization and within yourself? So I'm glad Love to hear that. that you listened to the episode. Oh, I did. And you know what? And, and that you went, that's my zone of genius. That's my zone of genius. And I, you know, taking it a little bit further there, I really believe in this zone of genius. And I know athletes call it being in the flow, you know, where you're just time and space no longer exists. And I had that throughout my career. And I think any human should be watching, you know, when you're in your zone, those are cues of to where you can really flourish as an individual. And so I would say I just really was watching that in my career and I went, this is really my sweet spot. This is when I'm in my flow. And I feel like consultancy, if I really build my business around strong values and a good vision that's, you know, that's for the greater good, that I'm going to live this beautiful life. And I, I even, I'll even say in the context of health and safety in companies, I think where we're starting to see is that organizations are getting wiser to the impact that individuals' health and well-being provides and what it comes and how it impacts safety. And so if we can allow individuals within businesses 
to find their zone of genius, you know, to be in their flow rather than be this catch all beautiful thing that you have to be good at everything. I think we're going to find happier, more productive, you know, greater profitability in organizations. And so I think there's really something to the zone of genius. And as a leader, if you can recognize that in the individuals, give them the space, what you get out of them would be remarkable and creative and everything to, you know, to help your organization. So I'm hoping to continue that zone of genius in my consultancy and see where it goes. And then you can have me back on in a couple of years and I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully we'll have a few coffee chats between then and now, because we've also chatted about, you know, what is it like to start a consultancy business and how do you figure out what you're going to offer for services and how do you, that's a whole nother podcast episode, I think in its entirety, because not every health and safety practitioner is cut out to be a consultant. There are some certain kind of factors that you need to consider most most importantly I think in my opinion is understanding business acumen. You need to understand how to run a business to be a consultant because the health and safety side of things is maybe 15 to 20% maybe of what you actually do within your day to day. You need to understand your uh, profit and loss margins. You need to understand how to read financials, when to get a bookkeeper, when to get an accountant, what type of insurance are you going to cover? What level of insurance do you like? There's so many factors in it. So I'm super excited to kind of see your progression and your journey into your consultancy, because based on our, our conversations, you have those those nuggets of understanding the business approach. And I think that your clients are going to very successfully benefit from your expertise in that coaching in understanding the the niche level of what you want to provide for a service for them. So I'm I'm excited to follow along on your consultancy <laughs> journey. Oh, thank you for that, Amy, cuz it's it's a scary journey, I'm not going to lie. There, you know, it was that is a big transition and one that I hope is successful and I can share that journey with others because it is a transition for sure. And I want to say my nugget would be reach out to Amy. So you were there for me when I was (laughs) thinking about it and I needed honest feedback of what does it really mean to be a consultant? And, you know, I think that's so key for safety people is make sure you reach out and get the expertise that you need and don't try and go it alone. And it was just really helpful in you sort of removing the, you know, the uncovering of what this really looks like. And so that I'm going into it eyes wide open. So I really appreciate that and our discussions we've had on on that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think it's so important to be transparent because what you see from the from the window shop or from the mm-hmm. website, you know, uh, consultants can say that they're very successful, but how are you defining success? Like what is success for your business? Like is it making a certain amount of money? Is it working a certain amount of time? Like what does success mean to you and for me? I wanted to have a more life balance. I wanted to be able to take Reggie to the dog park whenever I wanted. I wanted to be able to take Reggie, you know, out for walkies as he requires and be able to have, you know, a little bit of a say on my schedule. I rarely take meetings before 10 (laughs) o'clock. So understanding kind of what does success mean to you? And I think you can even take that back regardless of whether or not you're a consultant or an internal health and safety practitioner is just asking yourself, what does success look like for me in this role? Mm-hmm. And define what that is and reflect on that and say, well, what am I doing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that is going to help me get to that level of success and whatever measurement you've decided to do that? You've said something really important there that, you know, I, I think I lost what what success looked like for me, right? I started getting caught up in what success looked like for him or for her or for them or for, you know, for your team, for the executive team, for the board of directors. And it's overwhelming. It could be metrics for some. It could be the culture, the people, the survey for others. And it could be the practical, the tactical. But always having that base where you can touch back of what is success for me And, you know, are we still talking about safety, you know, and then you can get fulfilled because I find that you can lose your joy pretty fast 
in the corporate world, if you're trying to get your success or your joy out of someone else's success. So always touching back on that. So I think that's really important. And it doesn't mean that you have to be in consultancy. I think you can get it in corporate world too. You just have to do the work. What does it look like for you? And it's there for you. You just have to look for it. You have to ensure that your workplace approved beverage of choice cup is full (laughs) up before you can start filling up other people's workplace approved beverage of choice cups. That's (laughs) right. Yes. You mentioned linking into or calling other health and safety practitioners, calling other subject matter experts a few times, and you're the current vice chair for the Women in Occupational Health and Safety Society. So Mm -hmm. my kind of curiosity about that is, how important is it for a health and safety practitioner to network? Oh, It's critical. And I have to say, I didn't understand how critical it was. I felt a little bit isolated in Vernon. There's not a big CSSE. There's not, you know, I, I didn't see the Women Occupational Health and Safety Society around the corner. You know, I'm not going for coffee with other safety professionals. I was kind of on my own for the first, you know, decade of my career. And then it gets really lonely. And, you know, I don't think you can be half as productive. And once I started reaching out and building that network, I think LinkedIn helped not going to lie, like I really, and I was like, oh, they're doing that. And it was just, it really brought this world that was outside closer to me. And I think that that had a huge part to play in the success that I had at Caltire. I was able to bring in people that had an expertise that I knew the business wanted. And I was never, you know, scared to bring in outsiders in. It's always a good thing, but you've got to know the right message that they're sending. You know, you bring in a dud and then you lose the respect. So, for example, we did some safety leadership training and I reached out to an organization that I had heard in a presentation. You know, it just it resonates and you go, you know what, Cal Tire executive team is going to resonate with that person. And when we were struggling after we had a couple fatalities, I knew we needed a different voice in there to sort of calm the knee jerk reaction to slide back on where we were on our safety journey as an organization. And knowing that hearing from Leanne again might not be the best, but having someone from my network who I went, this person at this time is just what I need. And I got to say, you know, as I'm making this transition, I feel like I have this whole network of friends and support. And it's been just tremendous. Like there is the support, you know, when you need it. And Was I couldn't be more proud of being part of that organization because I think, you know, their their whole vision of bettering the future for women working in this profession is so honorable and so necessary. Because I find we still beat ourselves up for things that are actually, I think, you know, our best qualities. And when you see a network of women leading their truths in this way, that's inspiring. And that's what's gonna be the turning point for our profession. And I don't mean to sound this grandiose, but the world really, you know, health and safety is about bringing health and well-being into individuals at work. And what we need there is just the same that we need in the, in the world. So yeah, I believe in networking and I believe in community and this community that you're building, Amy, with your podcasts and, and with your business is necessary and it's appreciated. Oh gosh, Leanne. Well, thank you so like honestly, thank you because sometimes when you when I started this podcast, the initial kind of assumption would be I wonder who my listeners are. And it, linking back to again your your previous comment about know who your audience is, know who you're talking to. And I went my audience is, you know, somebody who maybe is sitting in their in their office in the dark you know, growing mushrooms doesn't, you know, have that network, doesn't have a Leanne at the senior management team, you know, mentoring and providing that coaching as a beginner health and safety practitioner and realizing that not all health and safety practitioners have the benefit of working on a team. I've worked for companies where I've had, you know, a 
large health and safety department. And then I've been the only health and safety (laughs) person in a company. And the dynamic is so different. And the thought process is so different. And the imposter syndrome changes quite a bit as well. And that is where I link into the importance of having a network. Because whenever I feel like I'm having an imposter syndrome moment, I'm calling people up in my network to go like, have you ever encountered this before? Like, have you thought about this? And for the most part, it's absolutely, we've been there too. And it's a conversation about, you know, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that the continuous improvement cycle is always in evolution and somebody somewhere is in another part of that cycle that either you can learn from or you can share your experiences to them and with them as well. So it's, it's, uh, I can't speak enough about having a professional network that you cultivate. So it's not just that you're on LinkedIn, but you're interacting, you're providing conversation, you are engaging with those individuals. And I think that's circling, you know, circling back to how our, we initially started this podcast was, I was a speaker at a safety conference that you and a colleague listened to the presentation and went, ooh, we want to make her part of our network. And then you reached out, we had a coffee chat. And that's sometimes all it can take is, you know, reaching out, sending a message on LinkedIn, but don't just, hey, let's make a connection. It's like, this is why I want to connect with you. This is, you know, why I'm reaching out to you. Mm -hmm. Add in that why, because then that provides a little bit of value in that connection. And I'm so yes. uh, extremely honored that you reached out to me and said, hey, we're resonating on the same frequency here. We are. And I think, you know, it does have to be cultivated. I think you said something important there, too. Like, it's not just your network isn't just going to fall in your lap. When we listened to you when you were doing your presentation, I mean, when you get those butterflies or those, oh, my gosh, and there's something resonating, I mean, don't ignore that. And reach out to them and follow up. And, you know, if you don't have a big budget in health and safety, I'm just thinking, I remember, you know, very limited budget. So you can't just phone the expert in the field and come in and save the day, right? You've got to get creative. And you'd be surprised at, at how many people are willing to put some advice and give some guidance for free in these networks. So like WASP, for example, and I'm sure CSSE and and other areas like that, but you can get it. You just have to be purposeful in looking for it and finding your your person, find your Amy that that starts (laughs) something wonderful. (laughs) Well, speaking of wonderful, I've had a wonderful time and chat with you here on the podcast. And if you are a listener, make sure to check out the show notes and connect with Leanne. Reach out to her as well on all of her social medias and we'll make sure to link her safety consultancy website as well in the show notes. Super fun. Thank you, Amy. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode in its entirety. If you have any questions or you would like to follow some of my projects, please join me on Instagram and LinkedIn. I answer all my messages, so don't hesitate to reach out.